All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for being in your place this morning. I know we're a little bit later than normal, so I'll, I'll talk fast if you listen fast uh, um, this morning. How many of you will listen fast? How many of you will fall asleep fast? I'm with you either way, okay? Just don't snore. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it, when you live in a corrupt society, everywhere you go, you'll find people that would be more than willing to take advantage of you or rip you off. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I remember years ago, uh, we used to get these emails, <coughs> and they don't send them anymore, but I would get them uh, for the church every single week. I get several of them, and you've probably got these as well. It was a lady overseas who was a Christian. She was an uh, Arab Christian married to a Muslim man. And her Muslim husband was dying of cancer. And she had millions of dollars and she wanted to invest in our ministry. We just had to help her get the money over here. Now, I never fell for those scams, but I saw a little thing where people were talking about, you have to pay money in order for her to transfer it over here into the account. How many of you ever hear that one? And there's a lot of variations of that. We call that... Um, uh, a lie, okay? There's no, that Arab, that Arabic, that Arab lady over there is some guy in Somalia on the internet trying to steal your money, all right? And so, uh, but we, there, there's, you can look, there's all kinds of scams like that. They're all over the place, but none of us like to get scammed. So what do we want to do? We have to protect ourselves. How do, how do we protect ourselves? The same way we protect ourselves in, in life. We have to be alert. We have to be aware of what's going on around us. And that same thing is, <coughs> is uh, true spiritually. <coughs> I always say, if it sounds too good to be true, that's because it is too good to be true. <coughs> Mark chapter 13, it's talking about the last days. In verse number one of the chapter, leave it open, leave your Bibles open there. That's the verses we'll be looking at. Uh, it says, verse one, as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and buildings these are? And Jesus answering said, uh, said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another, and there sh that shall not be thrown down. And so <clears throat> Jesus comes out of the temple with his guys. One of the guys uh, 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 mentions to him how wonderful and how beautiful the temple is. And Jesus said, one of these days, it's going to be cast to the ground. There's not even going to be one stone upon another. It's going to be completely destroyed. Uh, as he goes, he sits at the Mount of Olives, and his disciples ask him a question. Look at verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? <clears throat> what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? They come to him and say, when's this going to happen? Tell us about this time. Well, <clears throat> Jesus then goes into what we call the Olivet Discourse, the speech or the sermon that he gives at the Mount of Olives. And what he does is he starts to describe unto him the last days, and particularly he talks about uh, the tribulation time. He tells them about the beginning of the tribulation up till verse 13. 14 to 18, he talks about the middle of the tribulation. And then he talks about the events that will lead to the end from verses 19 to 27. 
And then he finishes with a small little story that tells Christians how we are supposed to act in the light of this knowledge, in the light of the knowledge that the end days will come. That would be especially true for us. If you know anything about the Bible, we are living in the last of the last days. You cannot look around at everything that is going on in the Middle East and not understand that the Bible is absolutely true and that we are living in the end times. All of the things, the hatred of the Jews, that's in the Bible, right? Jesus called, uh, 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 the, uh, the, the city of Jerusalem was called a cup of trembling for all nations. It's kind of like the center of the universe here when it comes to all the nonsense that's going on. And, uh, and so he tells us, you look at all these, these different nations that are rallying together and eventually going to go against Israel, you might as well be reading the Bible. The Bible told you that they would all hook together in the last days. And so we're living in the end of the last days. And here's a little parable, verse 28. Now, <coughs> learn a parable <coughs> of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender and putteth forth his leaves, you know that summer is near. So ye, in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. He said, look, look at the fig tree. When the, when the leaves start falling and certain things happen, you know what time of year it is. You can tell, uh, you know, harvest always, you can tell what the time is. And he says, and pay attention to what I was telling you about, the, about what is going to happen towards the end, and you'll be able to tell the end times are true. We can see that as we look around. Jesus wanted us to see the signs that are getting to the end. And by the way, we're here. The darkness that is uh, pervading, that's being pervasive in our society and all the nonsense, that too is a sign of the end times. The, liberal, the liberality in Christianity, the love of many shall grow cold, that also is a sign of the end times. And so we're getting here. But here's the point, one that's often missed by those who love prophecy. The knowledge that we are, that we are in the end times comes with a responsibility for those who are living in the end times. See, people are confused. We want to learn about, you know, we want to learn about prophecy so we can guess who the Antichrist is. I remember when I was a new Christian, everybody's like, it's Henry Kissinger. Because if you do the numbers in his name and divide by six, it comes out to 666. Okay? Now it's supposed to, you know, Elon Musk, whatever. Okay? Uh, they say, used to say it's Bill Clinton, but they, it does tell us that the, uh, the Antichrist will not have a desire for women, so we know that's not true. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Um, <laughs> or, you know, when is Jesus going to come again? The Bible tells us we can't know. That never stopped people from guessing. And so all this stuff, but that's not really, prophecy is there to encourage us that the Bible is true and to encourage us in these end days to keep doing what he tells us to do, knowing that regardless of how dark this world gets, no matter how bad things are, we're on the winning side. But what is our responsibility? What is our duty in these last days? The word found... <coughs> Four times in the verses that Daniel read for us is the word watch. Verse 30, 33, take ye heed, watch, and pray. Verse 34, 
Uh, he, he tells a little story. We'll get into it in a minute. And he, the last uh, phrase there, and commanded the porter to watch. Verse 35, watch ye therefore. And then he ends this thing, this, this, this chapter here with this phrase. And what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. As we look at the last days, you know what our duty is? Our duty is to watch. What does that mean? Watch means to be alert, to pay close attention to, to be cautious so that a calamity doesn't take place. That's what watch means. We ought to be looking around us, looking at everything that's going on in this world, looking at everything that's going on in, my, in our life, looking at everything society is pushing our way, and we ought to have a mentality that we're watching and being alert so that we don't buy into something or allow something that would cause a disaster or a calamity in our lives. We need Christians who will stay spiritually alert in these last days, and that's only going to happen if we are watchful. So how can we be alert? Well, let me give you several things that will help us to watch. First of all, we should watch through the scripture. Look at verse 31. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Nothing on this earth will last. Nothing on this earth is eternal. Although the average Christian, sometimes we live as though this earth is eternal and we give very little thought to the things of God which really are eternal. Because we are not watchful and we live for this earth, sometimes we experience all the negatives that come with this work, earth. Negatives that can simply be avoided if we would just watch. This world is just not that valuable. And yet we're not, we're not being watchful and vigilant, and so we act and grab onto things as if this world is eternally valuable. You've heard, uh, of course, of the, of, the, of, of the city of Pompeii. Pompeii was destroyed uh, thousands of years ago, uh, at the, the beginning of, the, uh, of uh, the first century, and uh, uh, when Mount Vesuvius erupted. It's very funny. It was so quick and so fast. They didn't have any, you know, like we have today, and they can tell that, hey, this, you, might, you might want to get out of here. This mountain's going to blow. And so they didn't have that. And so when it died, most of them died fairly instantly. And as they started to excavate, they would find these charred remains or whatever, and they could make these casts and kind of figure out what they were doing at the time of their instant death. And they found, uh, one of the first they found was that what they saw was and believed was a family of four. It looked like a husband, and it looked like a mother and two children as they were trying to hastily get out of the city. But what they found interesting is that the husband and the wife both were clutching gold, silver, stuff like that. Can you imagine that? In the midst of what was impending doom that they didn't understand, they saw coming, instead of getting out of there and trying to rush for their lives, they went back and grabbed gold and silver, things that just weren't very valuable in the whole scheme of what was going on around them. We are told that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21.1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first Heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there is no more sea. 
In other words, this world we live in, and when we get into eternity, everything is going to be new. And yet we live like everything on this earth is the most important thing. So how can we avoid that, and how can we get, a, through, get, get through that? Through Scripture. See, the Scripture is the one thing Jesus said, this, it will never pass away. Do you know God's Word's eternal? God's Word always has been. And so what we're trusting in what His Word says, we're trusting in something that's not going to go away one day. And it tells us the truth about how we are to live. How are we alert about the things of this world and the things and the times we're living which can be harmful to us? I'll tell you how we can be alert. The scripture. It tells us all of these things. So before we move on, let me ask you a couple questions. Do you even have a Bible? You say, Pastor, I'm a new Christian. We have a lot of you in here. And thank God for that. You know what you need? You need a Bible. And by the way, get it. we have Bibles here, and we'll help you get one. A good King James Bible, and there's a reason we use that Bible. We have a book out there that'll explain that to you. But you need a good Bible. Do you read it daily? You say, Pastor, I have a Bible. That's great. Do you pick it up on Sunday and bring it to church and then set it down and never look at it? Because it doesn't do any good. Are you faithful to church? If there's one thing I could wish for every Christian is this, that we just be faithful. Why do we struggle with that? One week, we want to be a missionary to Antarctica. And people don't even live in Antarctica. The next week, we won't even get up and come to church. We need a dose of faith. That didn't go over very well. Thank you, Brother Rawl. Because I was thinking about you when I said that. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. The faithfulness. Do we strive to obey the things we're learning in Scripture? And here's the big one. Do we allow the truth of the Scripture to help us determine our decisions? So how, how can I be watchful in these end times? Through Scripture. Number two, we can be watchful through prayer. Verse 33, he says, Take ye heed, watch, and pray. He says, for you know not when the time is. You don't know when God's coming, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can be careful, you can heed, you can watch, but you need to pray. It's not just enough for us to hear from God, which is the Bible. God needs to hear from us, which is prayer. I've given this illustration before. You think of it, think of, think of Bible and prayer as two wings on a bird. If a bird is up in the sky and it only ends up having one wing, it'll flap its wing and it probably won't fall straight down, but it's probably going to spiral around and eventually it's going to hit ground. See, we need both. God needs to hear from us. We do, not know, we do not only need to know what God says, we need to beg him for his resources. And when you think of the word prayer, the word simply, in its simple meaning is ask God wants us to talk to him. God wants, him to, wants us to ask him for things. We pray for other people. When we're praying for other people, what are we doing? We're asking God to do something in their life. We're asking God to give them health. We're asking God to, to, to do and meet their needs. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with us doing that for ourselves. Now, if you're getting a lotto ticket and you're asking God to give you winning numbers, that's not going to happen. Okay, God's not in on that. That'll ruin your life. Most Look, you know, what? you know what the lotto is? It's tax for people that aren't good at math. How many of you have ever been hit by lightning? You've been hit by lightning? Probably not. Okay, good. She goes, I can't remember. Maybe she was. 
All right, you're one of the few. You should play the lotto. You know you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than winning the lotto? And I'm, this isn't the message against the lotto, okay? Because if you win, you should tithe, all right? Let's just move on. <laughs> Years ago, there was a pastor in Chicago, and he used to preach against the lotto. Until something happened one day, his wife won it. He said, you know, let me think, rethink my position here. Okay, so Alma, quit playing the lotto, sister. So he tells us, the way we get what we need from God is prayer. You can turn there if you want, but to save time, I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 11, verse 2, which we call the Lord's Prayer. It is really a model prayer for us. It's not something we pray verbatim. It's the principles we get from it. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. When we pray, we're praying to God, and we want what he wants to happen on this earth. Thy will be done as in heaven and earth. And then he gets practical. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you ask God to provide for you each day? Well, you know, pastor, I have a job and I make pretty good money. Do you know who gave you the abilities to get that job? Do you know who has given you the strength to fulfill that job? And do you know God could pull that carpet out from under you, underneath you each, anytime he wants? We need to thank God for where we're at. Even if God's put us in a good place, we need to understand that God put us in a good place. And so let's, let's uh, pray. He says, and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, I'm just going to live for the Lord. You might want to ask God to limit the temptation that comes your way. Well, God said I can have victory over temptation. You know the easiest victory over temptation? Don't face it. And so he says, pray these things. So wisdom, we've heard of wisdom in the Bible. It's the ability to take the truths of the Bible, which was point one, and apply them to our life. Do you know how that happens? James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, by the way, all of us do, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So God gives us wisdom through prayer. How else are we diligent to watch? Number three, we're watched through serving. Look at th verse 34. <clears throat> For the Son of Man, he gives a story. For the Son of Man is, as a man taking a far journey, Jesus was going to leave them soon, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Jesus is telling a story like, and what he's in essence saying, I'm, it's, I'm like this guy, this businessman, he's, he's going out of town, he's going away, and he left his servants and said, hey, you do this, 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 and this while I'm gone. Right? You know what, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want us sitting around obsessing about the end times, obsessing about what's going on. Jesus wants to, us to get up and serve him with the time that we have left. He wants us to serve him. Well, I need to just, I just need to, you know, I just need to box things in because it's in time. I got to be careful. I got to go get my, uh, and if you're a prepper, God bless you, prep. Okay, you know, I got to prep and I got to do this and all. It's all about, like, what about serving other people? See, we're, well, that was pretty weak. What about serving other people? What about doing something to get the gospel out? Listen, the end times are coming and there's going to come a day when we can't do anything for God. It's over but I want to do everything I can while I can. He says, watch through serving. When he left in Acts chapter one, he was going to heaven. He gave them the, the, the responsibility to serve him until he comes back. 
That is what was determined for us when we got saved. Ephesians 2.10, right after the salvation verses. For we are as workmanship, created unto Christ Jesus, un, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He says you're saved by grace through faith, and you get saved, and you're a new person, and I want you to go out and do good works. That's right after salvation. He tells us in Titus, <clears throat> who gave himself for us, 2.14, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Some of you got that nailed. That was sarcasm. <laughs> Zealous of good works. He says, I died for you, and I'm leaving you for a purpose. Be zealous of good works. 2 Timothy tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God be, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Don't tell me you know the scripture and it's a vital part of your life if you're not serving God. Scripture's everything to me. I just want to bathe myself in scripture. That's good. And what are you doing with it? You put it in your pocket? There's people that don't, that look, if I really believe this is the end times, and it is, and I believe in the tribulation period, which I do, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to help people be ready for that? Why wouldn't I want to help people to avoid that? Why wouldn't I want to help people to be prepared for eternity? That's what we're trying to do here. And so he tells us one of the reasons you watch, you watch through Scripture. Hebrews 10, 24, which is right before uh, 25 where we're supposed to be at church. He goes, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You know, part of being at church is not just, hey, uh, learning about the love of God. We're supposed to provoke unto love, but also it's about provoking people. Hey, let's get busy. Yep. Let's get busy. Let's do something. Let's help somebody for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. When a person first comes to church, you know, we have several things we, 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 we want to check for. When a person comes to church, are you saved? That's the gospel. If we're not here to make sure that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, what are we doing? And then you should be baptized. And then we want you to connect with God through your devotions and spending time with him. <clears throat> we want you to say, hey, if you're coming to this church, say, hey, I'm coming to this church. I like this church. Hook up. Join up. We want you to be a part of our church. But we're not happy with just that. Okay? We ought to serve in the church. What can I do in the church for the Lord Jesus Christ? By the way, you're not doing it for us, although we're thankful for all of you. Look, everything that goes on around here, how does that all happen? Because we have good people that will serve. But, but it's not just about that. I hope you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, come on. Bus drivers. No one gets up in the morning and says, that is the funnest thing to do. Listen, I want you to get the bus here without running over people or getting in an accident. I know how much our insurance costs. Right? But, I, I, you know, working in the nursery, and I know you love the kids and all that, but you're going to go in there sometimes, and, and little bunny foo-foo's not having a good day. Right? You know, you name it, driving the shuttle, <coughs> doing this, <coughs> doing that. You know what keeps us faithful? Because we're doing it for the Lord, right? It's like, look, I'm, not, I'm doing this for the church. I'm doing this for the sake of others. But ultimately, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. Next, got to really hurry here. We watch through accountability. Verse 35, 
<clears throat> he says, watch ye therefore, going back to his story of the master leaving the house, and he's going to come back someday. That's what he says in verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, <clears throat> at evening, <clears throat> or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. You know what he's saying? I'm leaving. And just like this master of the house says, I'm going to be out of town, you fulfill your responsibilities. What happens when the master comes back? Come on now. Hey, how's everything going here? I mean, you go there and the, 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 lar- the, the, the uh, landscaping's trashed. The, bu- the business work hasn't been done. This hasn't been done or that doesn't ha- hasn't been done. Oh, you can do it when the master's not here and you think you're getting away with it, Right? One day the boss is coming. You know what they say at work, right? When the boss is away, the mice will play. But all you know is that the boss has been setting some traps. He's coming back. What's going on? How come this hasn't been taken care of? And so we are accountable to Jesus Christ for what we are doing, for the responsibility is given us. One day we will stand before God for how we served him and how diligent we were in getting the gospel out. I don't say that to to scare you, but it's a biblical principle. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 talks about it. Every man's work shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try his work. If any man's work abide, which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. By the way, let me just say this, and this is encouraging. If you're saved, you never stand before God for your sins. Right? We have this thing like we stand before God and everything we did in our life is going to be shown to everybody. That is scary. He knows everything we're doing. You know where my sin was? Um, uh, It's been judged on the cross. My sins have been nailed to the cross of my Savior. And I'm not singing it, all right? Okay? You want to sing it, Raul? Because you'll dance and I don't want to see that. But but my sin, my sin was judged. I don't stand before, if you're saved, you're not going to stand before God like, all right, what did you do? You're going to be stand before God for what we did for him. Did we try to serve him? Were we sincere? Were we faithful? And were we, were we trying to do things for him? That's accountability. Christians think, well, I'm saved and I'll never be accountable for everything I do. It's not true. Well, what about the life if I live a wrong lifestyle? You'll pay for it on this earth. And it hurts your rewards because it makes you ineffective to help somebody else, right? Number five, and I'm going to hurry these last two. We watch through diligence. Because he says in verse 36 and 37, he ties it up. Lest coming subtly, he find you sleeping. I mean, I remember I was, I, when I was in Bible college, I, I worked security. <clears throat> and we had crazy hours. We went from Bible college eight to one in the afternoon, and then I worked in Chicago. I uh, had to leave at like 8.30, got back 7.30 in the morning, just enough time to clean up, get back to class. You say, well, you rested on the weekends. On the weekends, we were out all day. We'd get home. We're out in our bus routes in Chicago. It was a far way away. We'd get, a, get up at 3.30 in the morning to go rent buses, 
over in another state. It was crazy. Get home 2 in the morning on Monday. It was crazy. So you can imagine the guys doing security, the least, <laughs> the least labor-intensive work in history. These guys were tired. Well, I always made sure I got the job. They gave me the job. I was like the leader. You know, like, okay, you go give people breaks and keep an eye on everybody. Now, we worked at the McCormick Center. It was a big, you know, uh, convention center. So you'd work at the doors, and it was midnight. No one was breaking in. So I would go give breaks, and here's what I did every time. I'd go over there, and, like, these were all college students. So I'd be like, hey, wake up. Wake up. Break time. <laughs> these guys are sitting at it. They'd sit down at the door to watch it, and they're like, Hey, brother, wake up, break time. Okay, it's like, okay, they were found sleeping. You know, he says, when I come back, you're going to be found sleeping. You're not doing what I'm supposed to do. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. You know what he's saying? Be diligent. Be serious about your Christianity. We should be diligent and serious in these last days. Let me ask you a couple questions. How serious are you about living the kind of life God wants you to live? How serious are you about getting the gospel to this world? How serious are you about raising your family in the ways of the Lord? And you can go on and on and on. You, only you know that. And then lastly, watch through understanding. Now this is in Matthew chapter 26. <coughs> it's not the same story but it is the same word. This is Jesus when he, was, when he was about to go to the cross. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He kept coming back to his guys. And every time he came back, it was like when I was giving those guys a break at work. They're falling asleep. And Jesus finally tells them something in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40. And he cometh unto his disciples and finding them asleep and said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Here's what he tells them then. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And here's the understanding we need to have. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, we need to have an understanding when it comes to doing the right thing that good intentions are not enough. Being willing is not enough because we have a flesh that we need to fight. Why did he call out Peter? Though all men forsake thee, even these other disciples, not me, I'm all in. And Jesus is like, hey, Peter, 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 you can't even stay awake. You, yes, you want to do the right thing, but the flesh is weak. Do you know that's why we need to watch? Because we want to do the right thing, right? We'll come down to the altar or we'll say, man, I, I, I was encouraged by my Bible reading this morning. I was encouraged by the message and I'm going to go win the world to Christ. And you get up and you walk out the doors and the flesh will slap you right in the face. Like, seriously, you really going to do that? You got to fight it. You can't just go by your feelings, right? Far too many people live by their feelings. You know you can tell? They're inconsistent. One week. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give the church a million dollars. I'm going to drive a bus, and I'll be the bus captain and sing in the choir, and I'll do all this and that, and the next week they're not even here. Because the flesh says, really, you want to do that? Flesh is going to fight, right? And so Jesus said, be, be alert now. Be alert to the things that trigger your flesh, right? There are certain things that, that you got to be, you got to be aware of because you know it's not good for you. And Jesus said, you got to watch. What's the point today? The point is this, 
We have something to do in these last days. We're not here for ourselves, although we have our lives. I get all of that. We're here because this world is closely ticking towards the end. And so what do we got to do? We got to do the work of God and we have to do, love people and reach people and do everything we can while we can. But we can't do that if things in our life aren't right. And so what do we got to do? We got to be vigilant. We got to watch. And he's given us all these things that will help us. If we may this morning, can we bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want us to think about this this morning. We're not like others who may look at the end times <coughs> and we look at the end times with fear in our heart. How's this going to happen? And prices keep getting this and all this is going on and what's going on in the Middle East? And is our country going to be in World War III? And all these, and we're all concerned about that. And those things we should keep. Well, I, I'm not discounting all of that. But you know what? We look at things from a spiritual level. And so let's be careful. Let's be diligent. We have to be, if we're going to be diligent and understand what's going on, we've got to be in the scriptures. How's your Bible life? We've got to speak to God in prayer. How's that going? We've got to get up from our Bible and prayer and serve God. What are you doing for, the, for him? We have to understand there's accountability. Yes, one day I will stand before God. And I don't say that to scare you. I'm just saying it's a reality. How diligent are we going to be? How serious are we going to be about our Christianity? And do we understand and watch because our flesh is going to fight all of these things. The flesh will keep us from the scripture. It'll keep us from praying. It'll keep us from serving. It'll keep us from our accountability. It'll keep us from being diligent. Are you alert today? Or are you like the average Christian in this country? <coughs> You're walking through this life with your eyes closed. <coughs> now, maybe you're here this morning and you're newer and this is all new to you. And maybe you don't completely understand it because could it be that you're not a Christian? The thing that you need is to trust Christ as your Savior because the end times are going to be horrific and eternity could be even worse without Jesus Christ. So here's the question. If you were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you would go to heaven or do you have some doubt? If you'd say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I'm not 100% for sure. If I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. I have some doubt and I'd like to get that taken care of. Pastor, would you pray for me? With nobody looking around, if you just raise your hand real quick, I'll pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody at all? Yes. See you. See you. Let's stand together if we may. Are you alert in these last days? Are you being watchful in these last days? Maybe God spoke to you about an area where you're struggling. The piano's going to play. If God struggled, if God spoke to you, why don't you come to this altar? Why don't you come and talk to God? Do business with Him. God wants to work in your life more than you'll ever understand.